0: Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we're reading Matthew 20, verses 24 to 28, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 20, verses 24 to 28. This is the word of the Lord. These verses are few in number, but they contain lessons of great importance to all professing Christians. Let us see what they are. In the first place, we learn that there may be pride, jealousy, and love of preeminence even among the true disciples of Christ. What says the scripture? When the ten heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant with the two brothers. Pride is one of the oldest and most mischievous of sins. By it the angels fell, for they kept not their first estate, Jude 6. Through pride, Adam and Eve were seduced into eating the forbidden fruit. They were not content with their lot and thought they would be as gods. From pride, the saints of God receive their greatest injuries after their conversion. Well, says Hooker, Pride is a vice which cleaves so fast into the heart of men that if we were to strip ourselves off of all faults, one by one, we should undoubtedly find it the very last and hardest to pull off. It is a quaint but true saying of Bishop Hall that pride is the inmost coat which we take off last and which we put on first. In the second place, we learn that a life of self-denying kindness to others is the true secret of greatness in the kingdom of Christ. What says the scripture? Whoever desires to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you shall be your slave. The standard of the world and the standard of our Lord Jesus are indeed widely different. They are more than different. They are flatly contradictory one to the other. Among the children of this world, he is thought the greatest man who has the most land, most money, most servants, most rank, and most earthly power. Among the children of God, he is reckoned the greatest who does most to promote the spiritual and temporal happiness of his fellow creatures. True greatness consists not in receiving, but in giving, not in selfish absorption of good things, but in imparting good to others not in being served, but in serving, not in sitting still and being ministered to, but in going about and ministering to others. The angels of God see far more beauty in the work of the missionary than the work of the Australian digger for gold. They take far more interest in the labors of men like Howard and Judson than in the victories of generals and political speeches of statesmen or the council chambers of kings. Let us remember these things. Let us beware of seeking false greatness. Let us aim at that which alone is true. We may be sure there is profound wisdom in that saying of our Lord's It is more blessed to give than to receive. In the third place, we learn that the Lord Jesus Christ is intended to be the example of all true Christians. What says the Scripture? We ought to serve one another, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. The Lord God has mercifully provided his people with every necessity to their sanctification. He has given those who follow after holiness the clearest of precepts, the best of motives, and the most encouraging of promises. But this is not all. He has furthermore supplied them with the most perfect pattern and example, even the life of his own son. By that life, he bids us model our own. In the steps of that life, he bids us walk. 1 Peter 2 verse 21. It is the model after which we must strive to mold our tempers, our words, and our works in this evil world. Would my master have spoken in this matter? Would my master have behaved in this way? These are the questions by which we ought daily to test ourselves. How humbling this truth is! What searchings of heart it ought to raise within us, what a loud call it is to lay aside every weight in the sin which most easily besets us. What manner of people ought they to be who profess to copy Christ? What poor, unprofitable religion is that which makes a man content with talking an empty profession, while his life is unholy and unclean? Alas, those who know nothing of Christ as an example will find at last that he knows nothing of them as his saved people. He that says he abides in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. 1 John 2, verse 6. Finally, let us learn from these verses that Christ's death was an atonement for sin. What says the scripture? The Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the mightiest truth in the Bible. Let us take care that we grasp it firmly and never let it go. Our Lord Jesus Christ did not merely die as a martyr or as a splendid example of self-sacrifice and self-denial. Those who can see no more than that in his death fall infinitely short of the truth. They lose sight of the very foundation stone of Christianity and miss the whole comfort of the gospel. Christ died as a sacrifice for man's sin. He died to make reconciliation for man's iniquity. He died to purge our sins by the offering of himself. He died to redeem us from the curse which we all deserved and to make satisfaction to the justice of God, which must otherwise have condemned us. Never let us forget this. We are all by nature debtors. We owe to our holy maker 10,000 talents and are not able to pay. We cannot atone for our own transgressions. For we are weak and frail and only adding to our debts every day. But blessed be God. What we could not do, Christ came into the world to do for us. What we could not pay, he undertook to pay for us. To pay it, he died for us upon the cross. He offered himself to God, Hebrews 9.14. He suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. First Peter 3.18 Once more, let us never forget this. Let us not leave these verses without asking ourselves, where is our humility? What is our idea of true greatness? What is our example? What is our hope? Life, eternal life, depends on the answer we give to these questions. And happy is that man who truly, humble, strives to do good in his day, walks in the steps of Jesus, and rests all his hopes on the ransom paid for him by Christ's blood. Such a man is a true Christian. That is the end of Raoul's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today. May the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for his glory.